Create in us clean hearts, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Amen. Please be seated. Have you ever read a passage of the Bible after a long time away from it and thought, you know, this used to be an easier passage to get behind? Jesus and his disciples are hanging out and eating in, his, in the gospel today. You can probably picture it in some ways, you know, loud, uncouth, boys club, grabbing bread, napkins disused in the corner. It seems that they had not even washed their hands before dinner. But you and I can't picture it in other ways. Washing hands wasn't just a societal expectation impressed upon you by your overbearing Jewish mom. It was a religious one. It was not just bad manners, bad for society, it was bad for your soul. And a group of Pharisees call Jesus and his disciples out on their behavior. Jesus gives one of his famous rebukes to the Pharisees in response. His argument is twofold. First, these requirements for hand washing were not scriptural. They were tradition. The rules arose over time from the teachings of the elders, is what the point of the story says, that they were not in the Bible. This line used to be easier for me to read when I went to a church that had a rock and roll band, extemporaneous prayers, pastors with skinny jeans and designer sneakers, the most cutting-edge technology with which to communicate the word, it was easy for me to read this passage and see that the place I was was not a place that conformed to the traditions of the elders. And that was why I left it, partly. Everything we do here on Sunday mornings is based in tradition. Don't get me wrong, we take seriously the Bible that told us in Acts to commit ourselves to Scripture, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. But I come before you every week dressed in robes after the style of 4th century Roman street garb. We repeat 1,500-year-old prayers, recite creeds that came about a couple hundred years after the resurrection of Christ. Traditions of the elders are pretty much what we do. You've probably heard in the Episcopal Church that we, you know, sit on a three-legged stool, and and that stool is made up of scripture and tradition and reason. Tradition isn't the only thing going on here, but it's a pretty lousy stool to sit on without it. The second reason this passage used to be easier to read has to do with being endlessly engulfed in a global pandemic. Jesus defends his disciples' unwashed hands and says, there is nothing outside a person that can defile by going in him. Nothing. COVID. The flu, the common cold, ask a doctor, and they will just say, please wash your hands. (laughs) Bodily fluids, bacteria, pesticides on our vegetables, hormones in our meat. Look at the town with carcinogenic chemicals in their water and study the rates at which bodies are defiled. 
Look at a generation grown up who learned about sex from violent, misogynistic porn and see how it changed them. Ask an alcoholic what it means to be surrounded by drink, an addict with a waiting dealer. My stepdad gave up watching a certain cable television news channel so that he could have civil conversations again with the people that he loved. I spend as little time as I can on social media. And I went on Twitter the other day, let me tell you the story, with the express purpose of finding a sermon illustration for you. Here was my idea. I was there to find you a story about my friends, lovely and righteous people, perfectly aligned with me politically, who get online and erupt into diatribes and lay ultimatums and use that little clapping emoji to make their unassailable and angry points. You know what I'm talking about? People who would never clap at me in real life. As I went there for you, I found the news that a radio broadcaster in Tennessee a man who drank vitriol for breakfast, who made fun of COVID and swayed thousands of people to not be vaccinated, had died of COVID. I spent longer than I care to tell you, perusing the articles, reading the comments, shaking my head in righteous indignation, indulging in that devilish sensation of schadenfreude watching someone get their comeuppance till I finally snapped out of it and walked away. I went there to write a sermon about as pure of a thing as I know how to do. And I walked away defiled. It seems that there are so many things that we can take in that change who we are for the worse. And let's just say before you think I'm being woodenly literalistic here, Jesus is known for hyperbolic speech, pressing a point to its shocking extreme. When he says nothing can defile from the outside, it's probably something like when I say I will never be happy again when my favorite character dies in a book. You can say something true without it being a literal statement. But I have to wonder how much of this outside defilement is actually pressing a button already in our hearts. How much of the problem is already there? And Twitter just capitalizes on the metrics of the human heart. Avoiding or denying the problems outside of yourself don't mean anything that has changed inside. A person with a fear of heights isn't suddenly brave because she avoids staircases and planes altogether. Again, to borrow from AA, someone can be 30 years sober in this program and still get up every week and call himself an alcoholic. The things outside of them have been dealt with They've been managed, but there's something inside that would undo all of those years of work with just one drink. 
I wonder if that's Jesus's point. He, gave, he gives a list of the proclivities found in the human heart, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. In his time, traditions had grown up in the religion to stop those sorts of behavior, to try to keep you holy and undefiled from those actions by separating you from the things that made them happen. I mean, honestly, that doesn't sound too bad. I wish more people had traditions in their lives that kept them from stealing and lying and slandering and cheating. But when the traditions become ends in themselves, when the compulsion to keep your hands clean keeps you from caring for the very messy lives around you, then it has stopped doing its job. What are those precious barriers that keep you from relationship with God and neighbor? What lies in your heart that you bring to this altar.